Hey, hey, welcome back to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast. We took a little break last week because, you know, sometimes life, life just <laughs> is crazy. And it was crazy last week, but we are back with our co-host or with us as regular hosts, Haley, <laughs> Charlie and Miguel. How are you guys doing today? Hey, hey, good. I missed this show, honestly, last week. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a nice, nice part of my week. So I'm glad we're back. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I actually, as the host of this for this particular uh, episode, I had done all of my research on this article prior to last week, right? Preparing for last week. And we kind of made a game time decision. <laughs> and I got super excited about this conversation. So I was like, yes, this is going to be a fantastic article, even though I believe it was Charlie that actually initially proposed it. So anyways, it will be a good topic. But first, let's go ahead and get started with Have You Heard, which in full transparency, I forgot to do. So Charlie <laughs> and Miguel, you're holding us down. We'll fill you in on the news this week then. Fill me in. We got all the gossip. Okay. All right. You're hosting. You're going to be doing a lot of talking anyway. <laughs> I'll jump in and go first. Yeah. And this is the, the hot topic in the Twitterverse recently is first of all, Elon Musk bought a bunch of shares of Twitter, right? And people were like- Like 10%, right? Yeah. Like They were like, uh, what the fuck is happening here? I was just deciding if I wanted to to swear or not. And I made the call <laughs> too. Um, now it came out yesterday, I believe it was, that he's going to get a seat on the Twitter board. So that's interesting. And as a very avid Twitter user, I I have Elon Musk muted because I just do not appreciate his hot takes a lot of the time. I think he's a little bit toxic <laughs> as a person. And so now he's going to be like having a controlling stake in this platform that I truly love. Like I love Twitter. Um, it's been my home base on the internet for many years. So yeah, I'm curious and fearful to see what will change as a result of this. But in happier Twitter news, I have a second one. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll end on a good note. Twitter confirmed they actually are working on an edit button, which has been a joke on Twitter for many, many, many years. And they themselves tweeted on April Fool's Day, we're working on an edit button. Everyone was like, all right, <laughs> whatever, you've said this before. Obviously a joke. But people have said, no, they're really doing it. They're rolling out beta tests on Twitter Blue, which is their like paid platform. So stay tuned and we might be able to edit tweets in future, which is a surprisingly big deal. <laughs> okay. So for the uninitiated, why do I, why is it a big deal? Why is, it seems to me like an edit button is something that is like, they're like, oh, we're beta testing. And I'm like, it's a fucking button. Like, what is the big deal of introducing? They're like, why is this such a nuclear thing for them? Like, just who gives a shit? Yeah. Okay. I can explain this. Because it's mostly because of like the retweeting and liking and how doing so really is an endorsement of what you're thinking too. So say you like a tweet that says, I love babies. And then the person can go in and- I was going to say- <laughs> You're going to go what? Let's flip it. Let's say that it says, in and out is better than Shake Shack. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So that's the tweet. So you like that tweet, you retweet it and be like, I agree with this fully. Then the person goes in and edits that tweet and they say, Shake Shack is better than In-N-Out. Mm -mm. And you're now you are appearing to agree with something you don't agree with. Mm. And like, obviously that's a, you know, fairly inconsequential example, but given that Twitter is a platform used to discuss a lot of politics and like, you know, sticky topics of conversation like that, 
could be pretty disastrous if it was used wrong. I've had a lot of debates about this in and out versus Shake Shack, and I feel like that's a very <laughs> important topic. So, OK, sorry for like diminishing the, the importance of that. <laughs> Wait, but which one is well, true for okay. you? OK, in and out 100 <laughs> percent. Shake Shack. <laughs> Okay, I'll be the tiebreaker in and out. Moving on. Woo-hoo! Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> okay, Miguel, what's your news? <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, I'm just, I'm curious as to what their solution for that is. Yeah, same. I know we want to move on, but it's just uh, like, will they show like, I wonder if there's like a button to kind of show you like, oh, this is like the, the edit history of it. And this is the group of people that liked it at this when, when it was this, mm. like you can cl- like you can click into mm. it and see which version of this got which likes like 365 likes for this version, 12 likes for the latest version or I wonder how they're going to do it. Hmm. Edit history would be really interesting to see actually how people are using it. I think that's what Reddit has in edit history. You should do that, right? Because especially like, especially, well, I wonder because we're like living in a culture now where sometimes people will get canceled for something they said like eight years ago, right? So like people dig up old tweets and like take them out of context and for better or for worse, they get held accountable to what a, a much younger version of themselves said, which, hey, you said it, so it's on you. But at the same time, some people can be like, hey, that was like me. I was going through something at a time. Like there's a lot of missing context. Hmm. So I, I get both sides of that. And I just wonder if somebody was like, oh shit, let me, now that I have an edit button, let me go back eight years and edit all of my cringy tweets so no one can see them anymore. You mean you could also just go back and delete them right now. Like nothing's stopping you from doing that. There is the delete. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe people like in the limelight should just like- Not tweet. Yeah. <laughs> have a feature or just like any anything three years or older, just fucking just delete it. Yeah. I know people who do that. They regularly clear out their Twitter account. I personally cannot be bothered. <laughs> a few months ago, my best friend was, she like got, like made a Twitter post, you know, in like 2022 and she hadn't done it since college. So I went back and trolled all of her like college Twitter posts. And I'll tell you what, like they just don't shine the, they didn't shine the best light on her. I would have gone and deleted every one of those. It's like, it's like deleting, you know, your, your, I don't know, high school. Your drunk tweets. Yeah. Yeah. You, you kind of got to, I don't know. All right. Well, let's move on real quick. Well, I'll make mine quick since I, I harped on this Twitter thing for a bit. <laughs> the avid Twitter user that I am. <laughs> Speaking of social media, I recently became aware of this thing called Be Real. Have you guys heard of it? Mm-mm. No? Okay. Well, this is on the cutting edge then. So we think <laughs> of Be Real as like a like a social media thing, right? So there's like a news feed and posts and things like that. But what makes a difference, the premise is that every day at a different random time, presumably probably not when you're sleeping, but like during the day, part of the day, it's this social media thing where it sends you notifications and says, hey, you have two minutes to like capture a photo and share with everybody what you're doing right now. And the idea behind that is for people to be more real about what's going on instead of like curating, like, Mm. oh, this is me. Like after I've, you know, spent an hour and a half, like getting ready in the bathroom, like just living my best life, like, you know, looking all nice on social media. No, it's just like, hey, I'm in my PJs and my hair is a mess. And uh, this thing's telling me, tell everybody what I'm up to right now. And it's supposed to be like, promote like a more authentic sort of like what's going Mm. on and sort of like show your friends not everybody, you know, it's not like Twitter where it's totally public. It's like you you and your close circle of friends, like, what are you up to right now? 
So that's kind of cool. I mean, I thought that was kind of interesting and it kind of fosters a different kind of like social interaction with people. And it kind of just trying to incentivize like being a little less curated on social media. So, and apparently it's a big deal. It's like picking up traction in like college campuses and stuff like that. So it's not just some random social media thing. It's actually, apparently you might hear more about it soon. And you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I like the idea of that too. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a B-E real, um, one word. But I, I, I think they're trying to like be real, you know, like not your A real, your B real. So like, oh, because it's not your curated content. It's just, oh, I didn't, what's going on. I didn't get that. I didn't pick up on that, but I like it. <laughs> the double entendre. Yeah. See what they did there. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the bulk of the conversation for today. This was an article that was actually proposed, I believe, by Charlie. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that initially your comment on it was like, oh, it was kind of a, a Debbie Downer, right? It's kind of a dark article. And the article's title is your, it was put out by the Guardian and the article's title is your attention didn't collapse. It was stolen. Now I'm going to give you just like a very, very brief summary to give you an idea of what the article was about. Charlie, would you drop the link? So anybody that wants to, you can drop the link in there to check it out. We'll obviously include it in the show notes as well. But in short, this article is ultimately about how over the last several decades with the advancements of technology and social media that our attention has been stolen and we are ultimately today living in a serious attention crisis and one that has really huge implications for how we live. One of, I'll I'll drop kind of like one of the researchers found that there is no way that we can have a normal brain today and we see the effects all around us. A small study of college students found that they found they now only focus on one task for 65 seconds. A different study of office workers found they only focus on average for three minutes. And this isn't happening because we all individually have become weak-willed. And here is the, you know, the punchline, your focus didn't collapse, it was stolen. And the article concludes that this is essentially a pandemic of sorts and that we as a culture need to band together and take on the forces that are stealing our attention and take it back. So that is ultimately uh, just a very brief summary of the article. What did I miss? I think you got it. And it's interesting that um, I feel like the way you summed it up was in a much more positive light. (laughs) than how I like initially read it, you know, with you saying like, we need to band together, we can do this, we can take it back. I read it and just kind of honestly felt a little bit hopeless that we have so many of these systems set up in our world to steal our attention. I will say that the bit about, look, this is not because you are weak-willed. Yes. <laughs> that made me feel better. I recently have like shifted up my morning routine a bit because I found I was just like, laying in bed, scrolling social media for hours in the morning, maybe not hours, but way longer than I would want to. And I, I like had heard all the advice to put your phone outside of your room so that it's not right next to you and it's not a temptation. And I just pushed back against that because I was like, look, I should be able to (laughs) have it sitting next to me and not pick it up. That should be possible. So I'm not going to like give in to putting it out the room. I'm just going to like through brute force, make it happen. And uh, yeah, never managed to. Finally gave in and started doing the keep it outside the room thing and have been sleeping much better. And uh, I was talking about this to my design leadership coach and she was like, you're not weak-willed. 
for not having like been able to do that. It is an addictive device. It is designed to keep you addicted to it and to make you pick it up often. That is its purpose. And it's hard to go against something's purpose. And so I think the same is true for all of the media and the things we use these days. Um, like you said, they're designed to steal our attention. I'm glad you decided to put it outside of the room. It's like, a, mm-hmm. same. I understand where you came <laughs> from. You're just like, no, like I should be able to do this. And mm-hmm. unfortunately we're not, if you do things through brute force and like just sheer willpower, unless you are like a freaking superhuman, like you just, you, it just won't work. It's like people that yep. are on a diet and then they have a, uh, you know, a pantry full of snacks and sweets. It's like, no, you need to get that out of the house or you're going to, you're, you're destined to fail. Yeah, setting up systems to help yourself. And I think maybe the same is true for our attention and the way we consume content online, right? Like Mm -hmm. if we know that it's out to get us basically, (laughs) as well as be our source of enjoyment, we can set up systems to like keep our attention. I think I mentioned this to you, Charlie, last week or maybe the week prior, but the reason I was out, not last week, but the week prior is because I was doing a partnership with Paste Magazine for creator sessions and we sponsored Treefort Music Festival. Well, the co-host that I hosted with is this amazing gentleman named Brad. We're going to have him on the podcast because he's built something really amazing over at Paste and they've done like 2,700 live of these studio sessions, okay? Now, I want you to just think about how much logistics that requires, right? 2,700 of those. And three years ago, good old Brad Wagner took his phone and chucked it in the trash can and has not had a phone since. So this article, right, this podcast, I was like, yes, I've got all these examples of Brad Wagner and this conversation that we had. And then it was funny because one of the bands that came on, their their name was Smokey Brights. And they, this is an unreleased song. So if you want to listen to it, you actually can go and you can listen to it. Their session on our YouTube page, but it's the last performance and it's called a song called All the Options. And their entire, this entire song was about all the, op, like all of the social media options, all of the things <laughs> that take away our attention as creators and how like we as creators also contribute to this problem. Mm. And I just thought that it was was a really interest. It was just really interesting, and so then we had this ad hoc conversation on, live on air about how Brad Wagner threw away his phone and how ultimately for creators to put out that we as creators need to have downtime in order to Mm -hmm. produce our greatest work. And we as creators also need to steal the attention of people like in order to build and make our businesses grow and and grow our audience. But we also can't be a product of it as well. Right. It's quite conflicting essentially, which I know, Charlie, that was one of the things that you wanted to talk about was like, what's the creator's role in this problem? Like I started feeling a bit guilty reading this article, honestly, thinking like, how have I been complicit in this? How have I stolen people's attention? But something in what you were just saying, Haley, made me think there's a difference between stealing and borrowing, Mm. right? And I would hope that what I, what I at least am aiming to do with my content is borrowing people's attention where it's kind Mm. of like, Watch me now, watch how I'm doing this design thing and how I'm like handling this process. And then you're going to be better equipped to go and do it yourself when you are giving that your full focus. 
I don't know, maybe I'm just trying to make myself feel better, but yeah. <laughs> the hope though is really is that you're actually the attention that they're seeking in the moment versus you're stealing it, yes. right? Yep, yep. And so that they're like, they're deep in, in deep work when they're with you and with the content mm-hmm. that you're, you're creating for them. And that's also the hope, right? So here's this thing that I thought to be that was really interesting. It was a professor, his name was Earl Miller. He's a neuroscientist at MIT. And he said that your brain can only produce one or two thoughts in your conscious mind at once. That is, we're very single-minded. We have limited cognitive capacity, but we've all fallen to this enormous delusion. And the average teenager now believes they can follow six forms of media at the same time. And I'm like, that's insane. (laughs) And they don't notice the switching because their brain sorts like all of it kind of out, you know, whatnot. But what my point in, in bringing this up is that your hope is that when somebody is watching your content, that they're fully engaged in your content and they're not focusing on their phone or unless they're watching mm. it on their phone, of course, that they're fully engaged in your content. They don't have TV on in the background, right? And they're intentional behind it. And that's really when your content actually serves its greatest purpose is when somebody is paying full attention, right? That's actually the point of it, right, is to serve your serve your audience. And so I don't think that creating the content or like creators, to me, it's more just like maybe even drawing attention to the fact like, hey, I made this content for you. Try to sit down, remove other distractions if you can, mm. and really focus on this content. Because my hope is, is that if you focus on it, it can actually move you forward in your goals versus- yeah them only taking a quarter step forward, right? Because they're so distracted by all these other distractions. Yeah, I like that framing. There's a part of this that I want to talk about, which is how we as like in our social circles, we kind of put pressure on each other for the expectation to everybody is always engaged at the same level. And what I mean is like, when we send a text, we expect to be responded to within a pretty short window amount of time. And then when you go beyond that window of time, you start to think like, well, what the hell? Are they ignoring me? You know, like, so as a person receiving texts, hmm. when somebody has, when I pick up my phone after like I've been in my wood shop for hours in a state of flow, enjoying the hell out of myself, I look at my phone and I realize, oh, I have like seven missed texts from the same person, progressively more annoyed, like, hello, hello, hello. Oh. And then I'm just like, and you know, sometimes it's my wife and, you know, I, I want to make sure that she's okay. <laughs> Part of that is on me because I just should probably maybe check in a bit more. But at the same time, it's like, I feel the anxiety of being away from my phone because I'm like, well, mm. what if I've missed a text or what if I've missed a conversation? Like if it's somebody sharing something on Instagram or whatever, who cares? But if it's like, if it's a text where it's something timely, I think the rule of thumb is always like, hey, if it's time sensitive, call me because that will interrupt the podcast that I'm listening to. That will, you know, you know what I mean? Like that will more likely get my attention than like a doo doo of my phone or if it's on silent, I don't even hear it. So that's actually my favorite thing about having an Apple watch. And it maybe it's it is actually stealing my attention. But to me, I feel like my phone it definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, I feel like my reason for not wanting to get the real reason for me not wanting to let go of my phone is for 
phone calls and text messages that are emergent, right? That are that are necessary, a school, something like that. But if I have it next to me at all times, then I'm so tempted to look at things that are not the real reason that I have the phone, right? Yeah. Instagram, eBay, all the other things. And to me, my Apple Watch serves the purpose of making me available from like for emergency situations, but I can't scroll the things that actually take away my attention. That's why I, I'm like an advocate for my Apple Watch is because I just want to be able to be reachable. I don't necessarily want or need to have social media at me at all times. They do have phones out there where it's literally just like all it does is text. A flip. All it does is text and call and it doesn't access email or anything else. <laughs> and part of me is really attracted to that idea. But then, of course, I have an iPhone, so I'm not attracted enough to that idea. <laughs> yeah, same. I'm like, part of me is attracted to that, but also I like having a camera in my pocket and a reading device in my pocket and like, you know, all these other things that the phone does. <laughs> right. It's just like, I feel like it's like somebody trying to quit smoking where they're like, I know it's really bad for me. I really don't want to be a smoker, but I just really like- But I'm just going to carry around these cigarettes. <laughs> but I'm just going to carry around these cigarettes because I really like it when I smoke. <laughs> it's like, <sighs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is funny. <laughs> so something else that I want to bring up, because this is a specifically, like this is something that we can take away from this article. I think there are several different pieces of data that we can take away from this article and figure out how we can apply it to be actually better versus just looking at it like a doomsday article. Like it's not possible. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yes. From some research, I can't remember exactly uh, where this was from, is that there are three key factors which you need to get into flow. First, you need to choose one goal. Flow takes all of your mental energy deployed deliberately in one direction. Second, that goal has to be meaningful to you. Mm. So they're saying that you can't flow into a goal that you don't care about. And third, it helps if what you were doing, and this was my favorite point, is at the edge of your abilities. So the example that they offer in the article is that if you are rock climbing, right, and you're rock climbing and it's slightly higher and harder than the last rock that you climbed, your attention has to be so focused because there's other, you know, you don't want to fall and die. You know, we've all watched Free Solo. That guy, Alex, you know, he is as focused as focused could be. And so those are the three things that that really apply to or will help you get into a flow state. And that was, I think, one of my favorite takeaway points from the article, because one of the things that I really struggle with personally, and we as a culture, a company culture, we focus on written communication I just want to send the voice memos on Slack. Okay. That's what I want to do, but it's hard for me to do it because I don't like, I don't necessarily enjoy writing. I do. I do enjoy writing. That's not fair to say, but I was trying to think about how I could get into this flow state while I'm writing, you know, like while I'm writing a post about a project that I'm working on or something like that. And so anyways, that was something that really helped me. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaways from the article of things that you want to or can apply directly to your day to day, maybe cutting off, turning off Slack. Yeah. Well, actually like on that, something that stood out to me was the writer of this article did like a detox, right? Where they were like, I don't want this to be the case anymore. I'm going to go away and not have my phone. And like, you know, he Brad Wagnered it, but only for like two months. <laughs> yes. Brad Wagner's holding strong <laughs> three years. But then the writer noticed that when they came back from this detox, 
like to start with, it's like, yeah, I had more attention, was able to focus easier, but slowly lost it again, the more like that these forces that were stealing attention were in their life. And I like this part that I highlighted. It says that individual abstinence from the attention stealing things is not the solution for the same reason that wearing a gas mask for two days a week outside isn't the answer to pollution. It might for a short period of time keep certain effects at bay, but it's not sustainable and it doesn't address the systemic issues. So it's like, while there are lots of things that we can do as consumers to limit the impacts that it has on us, it's all still there and we can't do it all the time. But probably there's more we can do as creators, I think, in terms of the systemic issues part of it. Like actually something that came to mind while you were talking, Haley, for me, thinking about flow state is like, how can I help the viewers of my videos or like, you know, the people reading my eventual book and things like that? get into a flow state with it so that they are fully focused and they are feeling like this is at the edge of their abilities and you know it's going to be meaningful them for them to have watched it have learned the thing that I'm trying to teach and I think that that's gives me a responsibility to package it correctly so that it's aimed at the right people and that they know this is for me and that if you're more advanced than this well maybe this is going to be a waste of your time and you should watch something else and also making sure that I'm getting to the point, right? And not wasting their time. So that while they're focused, I'm delivering them the important things as we go. Yeah, what you were saying, Haley, kind of touches on what I was saying before, which is like, there's obviously like with the gas mask thing that you were talking about, Charlie, is like, if you're going to participate in our society and we as a society have built systems where it revolves around these social medias and um, mm. and the way that we constantly engage with one another, whether that be text messages, Facebook, whatever, it puts the onus on the person to decide to sever themselves away from the way that everybody else interacts with one another. And you sort of have to like, the option feels sometimes like, is the only option here, are my only two options uh, when I come to the fork in the road is like- To be Brad is, Wagner or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do I just become a freaking Luddite? Or like Brad Wagner and just like shun this stuff? Or do I participate in it knowing that it is doing harm to me mm. and, you know, perpetuating it? Kind of what Alejandro said here. It seems like an impossible choice. Yeah. So I think, not to be all doom and gloom, but I think what the third option might be there is to, in order to achieve that flow state, you have to be deliberate about what you surround yourself with when you're engaging in something. So when you're going to be, when you're going to create a new piece of content or when you are going to do something that's like a hobby for you or that you really enjoy, try to set yourself up to have as few distractions as possible so you can fully engage with what you're doing and you're not constantly having to context switch because you got a ding on your phone or you feel a vibrate in your pocket or a tap on your wrist or whatever. Mm. Yeah. That's actually one of the biggest reasons why I enjoy doing ceramics because I have to focus on it so intently. It really truly is like the edge trying to build like a form, you know, on a moving pro and not like move your hands, like, you know, like an 18th of an inch, you know, one <laughs> to the right to make the whole entire thing actually physically collapse is very hard. Also your hands are dirty. So you can't <laughs> scroll your phone at the same time. I, this is true. This is where the watch comes into play. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> You got to take your watch off too, because that shit gets dirty. I will tell you that much. So, 
But that has actually been in latter years outside of working out. That has actually been the thing that has been that has contributed most to my brain actually truly turning off. And it's been like Mm. one of the more cathartic things that I think I've done and experienced. And so, yeah, I would definitely encourage you to find a hobby that allows you to like totally, truly disconnect. One thing before we move on that I really loved, and this kind of goes back to the end of the article where he talks about that this is something that we as a as a society need to be really intentional on trying to solve and figure out, is that there are several countries that have made steps forward in this to serve their you know, workers and whatever. And anyways, in France, ordinary workers decided that this was intolerable and pressured the government for change. So now they have a legal right to disconnect, which I thought was really interesting. But you basically have the right to defined work hours and you have a right to not be contacted by your employer outside of those hours. And that's just one example, right, of the way that somebody has, you know, they've made movement on trying to solve this problem that we have and that we will continue to have. This isn't a problem that's going to be going away. But I think that we know, at least for us in the United States, that um, we tend to be behind on more of social movement and changes uh, like that. So, you know, we got to take control. We got to like put it in our own hands, right? Yeah, I could just totally see that whole French law in the United States. It would just be like, <laughs> you, know, you want to get the government involved and in how businesses contact their employees. They'd be like, no, you know, yeah. for laissez-faire and you know, capitalism, whatever. So Yeah, yeah. I know that's, yeah, it's not going to happen in the States, but it doesn't mean that we, it's not a problem that we have in the States. So it's something that you just have to take control of, right? Yeah. Another part, I think it was in the same part of the article as that, because I think that French, like, law was a um, like a response to it. A quote I highlighted was that there is strong scientific evidence that stress and exhaustion ruin your attention. Mm. And that, so yeah, the French rule of employers can't contact you outside of work is to relieve that stress a little bit. But um, I don't really feel like I have that as an issue. I don't feel contacted outside of my working hours, but- No, wait, wait, no. wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I contact wait, you wait, wait, wait. all the time outside of your working hours. Yeah, Helen, I'm but like, I don't <laughs> respond until I'm in my working hours. I don't see it. Yes. <laughs> I don't have notifications on Slack. <laughs> this is a new change, right? This is something that you put into place in the last- yeah. This year. Yep. This year. And it has Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. vastly improved your mental capacity and day to day. And because it's 11 a.m. for my time, for everybody that uh, doesn't know this, I report to Charlie directly. So, Charlie, what time is it for you? It is 7 p.m. for me right now. So I'll be signing (laughs) off for my day after we get off. (laughs) Yes. But in general, though, I think what we can take from that is that the more you can do to reduce your stress levels, not only is that better for your health, in general, right? We know that stress manifests in the body in various ways, but it can help you get some of your attention back as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something we can individually work on. Yeah, I agree. Well, do we have any closing thoughts on this? I just want to try and end it on a most positive spin that we can because- Great, do it, Miguel. Bring us home. I'm going to try. (laughs) So it has something to do with what Alejandro said down here. He did say that the one of the hardest parts about being someone- like a solopreneur or creator is that is being able to self-direct our own time and attention. And I think that's, that's exactly right. And, um, the way that we combat stuff like this is, uh, 
being mindful before we get into whatever it is that we're doing, like we were talking about. So setting clear guidelines for ourselves, like you did, Charlie, where you just like, these are my working hours. This is when I engage with work. And that uh, that mm-hmm. frees up your brain's bandwidth for like, I have to worry about checking on work to be timely on certain things and let everybody know that, hey, these are my work hours. You feel free to message me when you want, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to get into it until 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. So do with that whatever you want. So letting the people around you understand what it is that you're doing. So that way, you know, you don't have those annoyed texts or like, where are you? What's going on? It's just like, mm. and you can leverage technology to help you do this as well. It doesn't have to just all be willpower. Like Apple has like that screen time stuff that gives you insight into things like that. They have that focus. There's literally a focus thing on your iPhone yep. where you can just be like, hey, unless it's one of my favorites, like my wife or my my dad or my mom, like no one can get through to me right now um, unless it's those people. So you can limit how much your phone annoys you during a certain period of time. So yeah, just look at what's out there and just create windows of focus time for yourself. The sleep focus has been one of my favorite things. The uh, best. The best. I, I love it. It's very, very valuable. All right. You know, I hate saying this week after week, but we don't have a listener to shout out. So I want to people, people yes. submit your stuff. <laughs> yes. This is really important because the community of people that listen to this podcast We want them to see and experience the, like, we want it to be a a greater community. So please share it. We want to share the love. Yeah, we want to share the love. And who knows, you know, this podcast could go completely viral. And just by sharing that one day, we could make you go viral. So literally free publicity. Free. Yes. We are like begging you to let us like be proud of you and the things you've done. It could be anything big or small too. I, I wonder if sometimes if people are like, oh, well, I haven't reached the 100,000 milestone yet, or I haven't reached 200 grand in income, so it's not worth shouting it out. Anything that made you be like, oh my God, I did it. You know, have one of those moments. Tell us about it. Let's take this into practice. Let's give them, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that I've done recently. Charlie, why don't you kick us off? What is something that you could celebrate, self-celebrate? Miguel, you're next. I... I'm going to celebrate myself keeping to my timeline that I've set for myself for writing my book so far. Mm. I decided that I wasn't getting anywhere without deadlines. And I set some deadlines for myself for finishing some chapters. And so far, I have kept up with that. So that I am proud of. I have been on a really good streak of making sure that I go through what I call my morning checklist before I even think about work. Nice. So a lot of the times I would just roll out of bed and be like, well, I guess I'll just sit down and start working, you know, with my cup of coffee. And now um, there's a list of things like these are the things that I need to do before I allow myself to go to work. And it keep it's it's great because like I feel more accomplished going into work. I don't have this nagging feeling like I'm putting things off. My dog isn't looking at me like, hey, are you going to take me on a walk today, you son of a bitch? So it's great. (laughs) Love that. Let's see. I have always had like an entrepreneurial spirit and I am forcing my kids to take on that as well, whether they want to or not. (laughs) And so we have a little flower garden in our backyard. So I grow cut flowers and my daughters sell it, sell the flowers for all like their money like that. And they take it around neighbors. They build bouquets. Well, last year I did not sow my seeds until June, like no, actually end of May, like first week of June. And I have like 275 seed plugs ready to go in my backyard. And about that's a lot. That's a lot friends. Okay. (laughs) And so I got 
that took a lot of time and I'm feeling very on top of things this year in service of teaching my children how to manage money at a very young age. I love it. Okay, that was great. I love that you made us do that, Haley. So please, everyone listening, go to convertk.it slash listener shout out. Be linked in the show notes. Tell us about your little thing that you're proud of. Yes. Maybe we should make it a challenge to make it like the smallest thing possible. Yeah. So that people aren't put off by like having to present some big thing. I don't know. But yeah. Yes. (laughs) All right. Next week, we are going to have a very special guest. He is coming back for the return. He is an original co-host. He also (laughs) happens to be the CEO of the company. We're going to be joined by the none other than the Nathan Berry. And we are going to be talking about his favorite topic, growing on Twitter through threads. Yes. Which Nathan has managed to do quite successfully and has a lot of really good examples uh, and failures on how this works, best practices, so on and so forth. So Nathan is going to be our guest for next week. It's definitely one that you won't want to miss, especially live because you can ask him questions live. Mm -hmm. Please join us for that next week and we will see everyone later. Adios. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.